So I don't know about you, but every time I see Megan Fox, I think about that scene in Wayne's world where Garth does that dance to Foxy Lady and he he puts his ears up like this, Foxy. Foxy. Do you remember that yeah. scene? Yeah, my name in our little chat is Garth. Oh, no I mean, way. Garth, because Foxy Lady. Oh, Foxy. did you? Really? I did yeah. not even get that connection. I named myself No Fox Left for mm. obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the reason, actually. Because Fox fucks. It's a pun. Oh, yeah. I gotcha. But yeah, for people who don't realize, Squadcast, when you record, um, not that Squadcast is paying us to mention their name here. Really, they should. I think they owe us at this point. Um, But you can type in whatever name you want when you sign on. So um, you may not know this, but every time we come up with silly names for ourselves while we record. Yeah, just for us. Just for us. And now we share that little tidbit with you. But yeah, I just think every time I think, Foxy. Yeah, and you got to do the little ears. Foxy. Foxy. All right. Well, let's get this Foxy episode on the road. Let's do it. This is Necromancer. Necromancer. My name is Shira. I'm a rom-com fan. My name is Brett. I am a horror movie fan. What do we do here each week, Brett? Well, each week uh, we pick a theme and then you pick a rom-com. I pick a horror movie. We watch those movies. We review those movies. And then we remix those movies. What, what, what? We pitch the rom-com as a horror and the horror as a rom-com. And we have a grand old time doing it. That's right. And today we are doing another actress theme episode. And it's about damn time we talked about Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Here we go. So I I've made it a habit now of asking during our actor episodes, what do you think this actor's superpower is? Oh I don't I don't know. I don't I mean, no offense to Megan Fox, but I don't I I, I don't I don't know her work too well. Are you telling me that Megan Fox doesn't have superpowers? I, I, yeah, Other than the demonic you, ones? Yeah, right. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I think I'm, she's, in, she's in not great movies. I mean, well, who knows what the reason is for Megan getting the casting that she gets? I mean, you know, there was that whole thing where she called Michael Bay Hitler and that got her fired from Transformers. But I mean, come on. I'm sure working with Michael Bay is no picnic. She just had the balls to say it. Um, Well, Michael Bay produced the, the Turtles reboot. And she was in that. She was April O'Neil. Maybe they made up by that time. Maybe. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, she's good at, I mean, she's good at being sexy. I don't think that's her superpower, though. But, I don't know. She's just, I I think the biggest thing about, about Megan Fox is that she's extremely, she's very comfortable on film, which is not something that everyone has, right? Like, I think her comfort level is very high when she's on film, but unfortunately there's not a lot that she has there. I don't know if it's the roles that she's been offered or what, but I, I, to be honest, I hated both of these movies so much. Well, (laughs) I, I, you know, I, I appreciate a lot of the things that Jennifer's body was doing as a movie by women and for women. So I definitely would want to speak to that. I mean, I do though find some of it to be kind of awkward and, you know, it's not, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll get into it, but I actually hated Friends with Kids upon my rewatch of that movie. Um, I remember watching that movie when I was younger and coming away with it thinking, I'm not old enough to understand the life situations these people are going through, so I can't really even judge if this is a good movie or an accurate movie. Uh, and now, you know, fast forward years later, I have a completely different opinion. And, oh, my God, there's there's so much for me to say there. I I, I feel I want to be respectful, but at the same time, I want to rip this movie to shreds. Um, but when it comes to Megan Fox, I think that there is this, I think that, that the this idea that there is nothing beyond the sexiness is a mistaken notion about her. And I think that this is a problem with a lot of actors and actresses who are particularly beautiful and, and just attractive, aesthetically attractive, not just um, actresses, but actors too. Like when I was watching Megan Fox this time, I was thinking a lot about uh, the actor who plays Robbie on Cobra Kai. Uh, You and Sonia haven't watched it yet, but this kid is beautiful. He's, of legal age. So I feel comfortable saying that. Um, but he's very gorgeous. Uh, he looks like Topanga from boy meets world. And Sean had a baby, like a hot baby. He's just very attractive, but like there's this tendency to feel like as if there's nothing beyond that. When I think really that that sort of aesthetic beauty is a kind of mask on which people project whatever they want to. Like in Jennifer's body, this idea that because she's beautiful, she has to be good. And therefore, it's easy for the men in her life to have all these mistaken notions about her, or not all of them to see her clearly. And it's kind of the same thing in friends with kids where because she's so disarmingly beautiful, it prevents people from seeing her clearly and treating her like just another human being. And I think that that kind of aesthetic beauty goes really well in a story like um, perfect blue, 
where somebody needs mm-hmm. to meet and escape their avatar. Uh, so I, I feel like maybe Jennifer's body with a bit more internal conflict between Jennifer and her demonic self could be more interesting, perhaps. Um, but yeah, when somebody is that beautiful, their exterior beauty becomes an avatar for whatever people want to project onto it. Um, and I think more often than not, the best kind of acting somebody like Megan Fox can do is making no expression at all. Yeah, I can see that. Where Um, they are essentially a moving target where it's impossible to guess what they are, what their interior is because their outside is so such a mask, such a glass like the scene in Jennifer's body where she's just smearing foundation on her face. Oh yeah. A very black swan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would say that Megan Fox seems like she's got a good sense of humor, right? She does. So like she's, she's not oblivious to the jokes that she's just hot, but dumb and she can play into that. But yeah, I mean, I agree that there's, you know, that there's more there. There's more, there's untapped potential there for Megan Fox. Yeah. I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't think of that for her in my remix, but if I were Megan Fox's, the person in charge of Megan Fox's career, I would want her to find a script where she's playing an idol, an actress or somebody famous. And she has to, in some way, fight the avatar of her fame, uh, battle the actual image of herself that has gotten out of her control. Fox versus Fox. Who's going to get out foxed? Yeah. Like if, if uh, I'm so mad, I didn't think of this, but again, the perfect Megan Fox horror movie would be like, if Megan Fox found out that they were trying to replace her with a robot, like a compliant version of herself. And that, that, that was replacing her in everything. And she had to destroy it to live. I'm on board. (laughs) I'll see it. Somebody get to Megan Fox's people. I've got all the ideas. So which movie, which, which of these movies that you despise should we get through first? Um, I watched friends with kids first, but I could honestly go either way. I think Jennifer's body, you probably will have more to say about that movie. I don't know. I have so many bad things to say about friends with kids. I'm not even sure. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I did it the reverse order of you. I watched Jennifer's body first because I remember enjoying it more. Right. Um, let's, let's do Jennifer's body. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's get into Jennifer's body. So you wanted to do this movie for the high school episode in the past. Um, but then I stopped you and said, no, I want to do an episode about Megan Fox because it was the very first ever veto that we've had on the podcast. Well, I, I think we had a lot of fun with the faculty, so I'm, I, no regrets for me there. Yeah. I thought about the faculty a lot during this movie. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's definitely some faculty influence. It would have been great if there were more than one demon. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but it was Jennifer's body. Yeah, so Sonia and I saw this movie by Karen Kusama called The Invitation. And Is that the one with we, Dan Stevens? No, oh, no, that's The Guest. You're thinking The Guest, yeah. Um, the Guest, directed by Adam Wingard, who just directed Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, Karen Kusama directed this movie called The Invitation, and Sonia and I both hated it so much like we just despise this movie and so then i found out that karen kusama is going to direct a new dracula movie for bloomhouse and i thought wow i love bloomhouse movies bloomhouse gives directors creative control they make cheap movies that make mega bank they make horror movies they make Really good movie. Like, Bloomhouse productions are usually a good time. So I thought, you know, I should probably go back and see Jennifer's Body because that movie was reviewed pretty well. Um, Actually, and- it got shit-canned when it first came out. Oh. Uh, maybe not reviewed pretty well, but I think the general It's become internet- a cult classic. Yeah. So I knew that it had a, a good following behind it. And so I thought, you know... If I'm going to go see this new Dracula movie, which I will, um, I should check out her other stuff because it's not, you know, I'm not going to judge her entire career based off of one movie. Although I did I did look her up and she did direct Aeon Flux, which I hated. I love the (laughs) cartoon. Never saw the movie. Yeah, the movie was atrocious. I think that movie probably was never going to be good. That was one of those like in production development hell movies that just there was no way i mean it's Um, not really karen kusama's fault right so i just i don't know like i really feel bad because i don't like her movies but at the same time if i don't like all of her movies then clearly it's just a calibration issue where i'm not on the same wavelength as her but um i think some of the things she does in this movie are clever i mean we'll we'll get to it yeah, but then Diablo Cody, um, Megan Fox. You wanted to do a Megan Fox episode, so if I was going to do a Megan Fox horror movie, of course it would mm-hmm. be this one. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I this movie. I did not see it when it came out. I've always wanted to go back and check it out. So and now here we you are. know. Now I know. <laughs> you know, I I think that some of the things in this movie are silly, but. Are, is the way that Diablo Cody, is the way that she writes dialogue any sillier and unrealistic than the way that Quentin Tarantino writes dialogue? I dare you, go back and watch the scene where John Travolta and Uma Thurman go out on a date. The way they talk is so weird and robotic and stilted, and it just blinds you because it's Quentin Tarantino, and it's like, oh, it's so sassy and clever. But, I mean, I feel like like there are some writers who get away with having all of their characters speak with their voice, and sometimes it's really effective, and sometimes it isn't, like... I feel like um, Amy Sherman Palladino with Gilmore Girls and the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she's very good at 
creating characters that can all talk with her voice and it still works. Um, but Diablo Cody for me is kind of hit or miss in that area. Yeah, I agree. Um, what was the movie that you just mentioned? <laughs> I'm so ADD. How dare you ask me that question? Um, Not Tarantino. The Oh, so yeah, I agree. Um, oh, I mentioned actually, uh, Gilmore, Gilmore Girls and Girl, Mrs. Yeah. Maisel. It's funny. I always heard such glowing things about Gilmore Girls. And I was like, what is all this hype about? And then I watched one episode randomly for whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I get it. <laughs> this show is pretty good. And I agree. Yeah, she does a really good job of like all of her characters did sound the same. But there was a rhythm. There was a flow. Uh, mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin, I think, has the same. Oh, deal. he's totally like that. That's yeah, why yeah, I, yeah. I personally, I can't stand Aaron Sorkin's female characters because I hate his voice coming out of a woman because that's not how women are. Um, I hear you. But but it's how Aaron Sorkin's women are. Um, But but yeah, I think that uh, Megan Fox does really well speaking with Diablo Cody's voice. Yeah, I think it's weird because when Sonia and I saw the invitation, it had Karen Kusama and the two writers in attendance for a Q&A, right? It was at Alamo Draft House, oh. of course. So you got and to tell I, her to her face how much you hated her movie. Sonia and I were in the front row, <laughs> <laughs> and that was uncomfortable. Um and so I did, they mentioned that they liked Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. All three of them mentioned something about Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I did raise my hand because I wanted to ask a question like, what's your favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liner? Switch it up a bit, but I didn't get picked. But I don't know, Karen Kusama doesn't have, based on what I know about her in her movies, she doesn't have that sense of humor like it makes sense that justin reitman could take over some diablo cody or justin reitman jason reitman could take over some uh diablo cody stuff right he did young adult i never saw i don't think i saw tully but like if that's if that's a cody movie but um like yeah i think in juno right is that jason reitman he did juno too yeah i think that was the first collaboration with him and diablo cody yeah and so like i think he probably has a better feel for the rhythm of the movie. There was a lot of moments in this movie where they would say the Diablo Codyisms and they would use the weird speech like the Jello or the the whatever, like Jello, your lime Jello, your super lime Jello shot, party Jello. I, like it just my didn't, tit, your heart. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't feel. It, it felt forced, and I. I don't know. But it's hard to it's hard to figure out okay like where does where where does the the misdirection begin or where does right. the failed promise begin in this premise because I wonder yeah I want I really wonder I I was reading up on it and apparently the script was originally a lot darker uh and but uh, humor kind of kept sneaking in uh because that's just that's the way that Diablo Cody writes um right. so yeah i i don't know i i it 
it it's one of those things where I feel like like the tone is just really hard to nail between the horror and the comedy in this particular movie. And I feel like maybe at this point we hadn't had as many movies do horror and comedy so effectively together. But then I think back to a movie like The Faculty, which I think nailed that mix of tones pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it is, I do agree. It is really hard to do. And that's, I think that's what made Evil Dead and Sam Raimi stand out because Evil Dead is a straight up horror movie, but there's so much charisma and charm that you can't Uniqueness, help nerve like, talent. Yeah. You can't help but laugh at it. And then when he got to make Evil Dead 2, he essentially just remade Evil Dead beat for beat for like the first half of the movie and then just went nuts for the second half. And Sam Raimi has built an entire career as an, as a standout of horror and comedy being intermingled, but he did drag me to hell too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, he's, he's, he's good at that. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, it's just, it's something that is so difficult to nail. But I would rather see a movie try and not necessarily stick the landing than somebody just play it safe. I hate safe. Um, and and to its credit, this movie did try to do something. Um, yeah. But it, it struggled with, you know, mismarketing. I think a lot of um, trailers tried to push the kiss moment as a bigger thing and to, you know, put so much pressure on Megan Fox being the hottest chick ever when it's like, no, Megan Fox is a monster in this movie. That's what's exciting about it. Um, I feel like if this movie came out 10 years after it would, it would hit for people a lot different. I think that's why what makes it a cult classic is it, it resonates more with people now than I think it would have then um, because we were right in the middle of the, the toxic bullshit. Um, But yeah, let's go ahead and let's get into this summary brought to you by Wikipedia. So needy, needy loves Nikki played by Amanda safe. Needy. Her real name is her real name is Anita, but that's her nickname. But also, like in um, Happy Death Day, they call the character Tree because I think it's it's short for like Trina or something. But like, what's up with these horror movies where these women have really dumb names? No, it's not that. Right? Girls just like to come up with names for each other. Like in Pen Fifteen, um, she calls her Na instead of Anna. It, it's just it's like it's a cutesy it's a cutesy girl thing. Like okay. like calling your friend Michelle Mike or something just because you think it's cute and funny. I know, I know, but needy. It just I don't know. Yeah, no, we're we're really just naming naming the tropes at this point. But this is a movie that, like, again, I don't think that campiness is a failed realism in this case. I really feel like it's, you know, it's meant to be high energy Looney Tunes camp. And, you know, this opening scene kind of reminded me of how Rob Zombie did Halloween, where it's like, yeah, we're going to see, 
Jason in the mental hospital and and see him being a rowdy patient or um, the update of Black Christmas. Um, one of them, at least, did that, too, where you spend time with him in the mental hospital. But then having that killer be a girl, I think that's what makes it fun for people like me, the female audience who, you know, like, you know, Brett, you're a white guy. You get to see yourself represented as the killer all the time. Mm, it's so nice. <laughs> so nice to have representation in that way. But, you know, <laughs> women, we we just have to wait. Um, but anyways, we, we open in the mental hospital um, with the needy. Um, and she is a violent inmate. Yeah, she's a kicker. They call her the kicker. Uh, she gets herself put in solitary confinement for literally kicking the teeth out of an orderly. And then we flash back to the ve- the events that brought her here. Since childhood, she's been best friends with Jennifer Check, who's the most popular girl in school, even though they have nothing in common. Um, I thought it was very of the time for that girl to comment, you two are so lesbian. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, everybody was fucking afraid of seeing gay. And it it was like, it was, it was on a different level than it is today. I feel like people don't realize how far we've come even just in, in a few short years, (laughs) but um, people are fucking mean. Um, But yeah, so they are friends Jennifer wants Needy to go with her to this local dive bar in order to attend this concert for this band that she's following. Uh, Low shoulder. Uh, I loved like they their impersonation of a pretentious indie band was pretty great. Uh, And then while they're there, a fire breaks out at the bar, kills several people Needy manages to help Jennifer get out, but I think because Jennifer's in shock or whatever, she agrees to go with the lead singer of the band into their van. Needy doesn't want to go, so they get separated, and then the van door closes. She doesn't see Jennifer again after that. And then later that night, Needy's at home. She hears something, and then she sees Jennifer in her kitchen uh, scrounging through the refrigerator. Uh, and then Jennifer turns to her and vomits. Uh, and then also asks Needy if she's scared. Mm. Yeah. So I, you know that I love when people vomit goop in movies, right? It was very goopy. Drag me to hell has so many projectile vomit moments. Do you wish she gooped on her more hard? But I like this whole kitchen scene just did not work for me. I, I I'm not a huge fan of the character staring at the the camera and just making a weird face. Like that doesn't that doesn't do anything for me. But I've seen movies in theaters where characters do stuff like that, and audiences do react. So I don't know. I just like she was making a weird face and then she ate this raw meat and then she threw up black goo. And then what? She disappeared. 
right? Yes. I Okay, I think that it would have been better or this would have worked for me if we got the information that we're going to get later in the movie at this point. You know how I feel about twists and the fact that I find them, for the most part, completely unnecessary. Um, but yeah, I... I would have liked the scenes that they show later in the movie towards the third act to have happened here. So we have a sense of why Jennifer does what she does and we have a better sense of her point of view. But yeah, I mean, now that you, now that you say that, like it would be cool if I think it would be cool. Yeah. If they were on the same page earlier so that there was more conflict between the two instead of this like instead of this weird mystery movie where it's yeah i don't think it needed i don't think it needed to be a mystery what happened to jennifer i would have liked if we found out what what happened to jennifer right away and the rest of the movies about what's she going to do because i feel like jennifer has even more of a motive to get back at low shoulder than needy does i'm much more interested in jennifer's ambivalence towards them um than on needy's need for revenge yeah i agree I, I mean, that's that's something that I, I, I'm interested to understand more about because she, you know, what happens to Jennifer is truly horrible and, and she's, she's a survivor of an incredibly violent and traumatic event. There are many movies that explore what happens to women in those situations and most of them are very exploitive, like I spit on your grave. But there was an opportunity here to do something really interesting that's a take on that genre and make it from actually from a female point of view instead of, you know, what you get from movies like Last House on the Left and I Spit on Your Grave, where it's really just exploitive and ultimately from a man's point of view. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Jennifer Vom's Next morning at school, she's fine. She dismisses Needy's concerns. Town is mourning the death of everybody that died in the fire. Uh, Jennifer, meanwhile, seduces the school's football captain into the woods and disemboweled him. Now, this is a scene that I actually enjoyed for two reasons. Number one, because you see Jennifer walking across the field. And then when it cuts to the football player, she comes from the other side of the frame. Mm -hmm. I did like that. Yeah, that was cool. So that's not bad. And then also when they go into the woods to make out before she kills him to eat him, the forest animals start coming. And it's kind of this twisted Snow White moment where it seems very cute when really it's the most brutal aspect of nature that's on display rather than the sweetest. Yeah, um, it reminded me of uh, South Park. Wasn't there a South Park with like the forest buddies? Yeah, with the woodland critters. Satanic? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. It was very much like that. But yeah, I liked I liked the again the the editing for her predatory sneaking up on, on him, and then the uh, demonic Snow White moment. Where for me, the, I thought that that was cool. 
Yeah, this was a good scene. It was a good kill. So now we've got the members of Low Shoulder gaining popularity due to their falsely rumored heroism. Uh, we hate that. We do hate uh, that. And soon after a while, Jennifer appears sick and listless for Megan Fox. I mean, they, they, they don't give her the full... Uh, monster treatment that they gave Charlize Theron, but they make her skin look bad and her hair looks greasy. Um, so then she accepts a date with the uh, school goth emo Colin, played by Beaver from Veronica Mars. <laughs> um, but what's funny to me is she doesn't even want to eat Colin. It's only when Needy expresses some kind of interest in Colin that she's like, hmm, maybe this is somebody worth killing. Right. Um, which I think is, you know, that's a situation that unfortunately does happen in toxic female friendships where um, a girl that you think you're friends with becomes interested in the same person that you're interested in because your interest in them makes them more attractive. This I know this doesn't make sense to men because attraction is so simple for you. <laughs> so simple. <laughs> um, but but I it, it happens to women all the time. Doesn't he? He has a cute little scene with with needy earlier, right? He's got a, a nice little interaction, but she's going out with the other guy. I Chip. love Chip. Chip. He's so I, great. I know Chip just looks like half the guys I went to high school with because they all had that haircut yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. 2005. Um, and, and so it's just like Chip's just, Chip is totally like a guy, like one to five guys, you know, in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's pretty generic, but in a way that I find comforting. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, but, but she's dating Chip and she's into Chip. It's just, she and Colin are friendly, but, uh, Jennifer kills Colin, um, by luring him into this house, this, um, this house construction site. Uh, and I think that she and Needy have some kind of twin sense, because while yeah. Needy and Chip are having sex, um, and Jennifer is just having an, an awesome time killing Colin, uh, Needy can sense it. And she runs out of Chip's place. I really liked when Chip was like, am I too big? And he gets this like look on his face. <laughs> like, I hope that that's what's funny. going on. That was That was very funny. I thought that was a great moment. Um, but yeah, so she leaves in a panic. She almost runs over Jennifer, who's drenched in blood. Um, she goes home. And when she goes up to her room, Jennifer is there ready to sleep over. Uh, and then this is where Jennifer explains what happened when, again, I think that if we had known what happened to Jennifer right after she got taken, it would have been so much scarier um, to know, you know, as it was happening, what was happening, that Needy went home, that Needy wasn't able to help, um, and to, you know, be with Jennifer through this whole thing. Because I do think that 
uh, Megan Fox's acting during the sacrifice scene is is pretty good, and she mm-hmm. she looks genuinely scared. Um, so Jennifer realizes that they the band want to take her into the woods and offer her as a virgin sacrifice to Satan in exchange for fame and fortune. Um, But what they don't know is Jennifer is not a virgin, Um, you know, because when she lost her virginity, she couldn't go to flags that day and she had to sit on a bag of frozen peas. (laughs) We get the whole story earlier that night. Um, But yeah, so Jennifer... She gets sacrificed, and because she wasn't actually a virgin, she becomes permanently possessed by a demon. She makes it out of the woods where she encounters the foreign exchange student uh, and uh, Ahmed, uh, and she ate Ahmed. Mm -hmm. And then she realizes, once she eats Ahmed, that she can withstand any injury without pain and heal instantly. And at this point, she shows she shows Needy that she can stab herself and it'll immediately heal. I also liked the point when she was talking to Needy on the phone and she was burning her tongue and saying, I'm invincible. Which is something that a dumb teenager would say, even if they couldn't light their tongue on fire it just it tracks um so then after learning all of this um oh wait i blew right by the kiss like even before megan fox explains what happened to her she and needy do kiss and i feel like it's the kind of confusing teenage moment that could happen to anybody it's a sexy scene, but it's not played out gratuitously. I think that it's kind of fucked up that like there was all this like push and marketing around the these two hot actresses they're gonna cast. Oh my god, it's just it. I I I don't necessarily think it brought anything to the movie, but I it frustrates me that one little scene would do so much to make this movie misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I did think this, the scene was nice. I liked how, yeah, Jennifer's trying to use her powers that she knows her powers of sexiness. Um, and it doesn't work on needy, especially because needy's more concerned about her than anything else. Um, right. Needy's yeah. showing the emotions that Jennifer doesn't have the capacity to express openly, like all the pain and the anguish and the fear that you would expect to see on Jennifer when she's telling the story, it's all, you know, under the mask. And so Needy's the one who has the capacity to get emotional for her. But I just, I felt like there was so much more that could have been done if instead of waiting this long, she had just told Needy right away and we had gotten the scene and we'd gotten the girls talking about it and then we'd gotten what's next, you know? Yeah, I guess it is kind of a little bit unclear to me on how much of Jennifer is Jennifer and how much of Jennifer is the demon. Like, who's who's piloting the ship? 
is it Jen? Like, does Jennifer have control sometimes and then the demon takes over or is it the demon all the time and the demon's just pretending to be Jennifer so that it can get by? I I don't think it's, I don't think it's like a demonic possession as in, you know, in the exorcist where you have been um, possessed by another personality, a demon with a specific name and difference from you. But it's more like, you know, like when the Joker falls into the vat of acid before he fell into the vat, he was just a normal criminal. Afterwards, he's the Joker. So she's she's been through the the sacrifice tunnel and it has changed her and infused her with demonic energy. Like that episode of Buffy where Willow is a vampire and she's really mean. That it was always in her. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but I, I think that, that it is Jennifer, but her demonic possession has permitted her to not show any reaction to the way that she was made a victim. So she seems like she's completely ambivalent to everything that happened to her. Like she doesn't care about the tragedy at the bar when really Jennifer's kind of wrapped up in her own trauma and taking it out on, on these men and gaining life from them each month um, to supplement the weakness that she was made to feel. So it's meant to be empowering, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. No. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's complicated and female sexuality is monstrous. That's all you need to know. If there's anything that, that uh, horror movies we've watched where females are the villains, it's that the sexuality of women is terrifying. Yeah. Ladies are scary. Ladies are scary. Ladies are the real predators. Um, anyway, so the following day, it's research in the library time. Very the mm-hmm. faculty-like. Um, Needy finds all she needs to know about demons and determines that Jennifer is basically a succubus. She feeds on flesh and she can only be killed when she is hungry and weak. So now Needy decides to break up with Chip for absolutely no reason other than to protect him. But he's like, but I'm still going to the prom. And she's like, but you shouldn't go to the prom, but I want to go to the prom, but don't go. Well, then I'm not going to be with you. If you're going to go to the prom, I have to go to the prom too, but I can't go with you. Um, It just doesn't make sense. But there's one good line out of it where she says, um, Jennifer is evil. And Chip says, I know. Uh, and then Needy says, no, not, not like high school evil, like real evil. Um, but I, I liked that exchange because yeah. Chip, 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 Chip has been reading what Jennifer has been putting down for a long time and they clearly hate each other, um, and, and just tolerate each other because they both like Needy. Um, but now that Jennifer's a demon, she's like, yeah, I can get rid of Chip by eating him. Awesome. Um, so Needy, Chip, Jennifer, everyone's going to the dance. We get this nice scene of Jennifer 
smearing on makeup and looking in the mirror thinking, who am I? Uh, and I, I liked it. Um, so Needy gets to the dance. Um, Jennifer doesn't seem to be anywhere. And that's because Jennifer has found Chip outside of the dance and has convinced Chip that Needy was cheating on him with Colin. Um, and I mean, Colin liked Needy. So, I mean, very easy to trick this little high school boy into believing this. Uh, and then so they start making out and Jennifer tells Chip that she wants him to go with her to the pool house. And once again, Needy has this psychic connection moment where she's like, danger. Uh, and yeah, she, she touches her lips. She, she's like, oh, my God. She knows. Kissing. She knows. She's got the twin sense. So yeah. she makes it to the pool house um, just in time to see Jennifer feeding on Chip. Uh, and then again, another scene very reminiscent of the faculty. They fight in the pool. Uh, and then Chip impales Jennifer with a pool skimmer, but she's able to get away. Uh, and then we have this, this beautiful death scene with poor Chip passing into the great beyond. Needy swears revenge. We're back to the beginning of the movie where I remembered another thing I liked. They did the Halloween thing where it's from the killer's perspective going up to the house. Uh, and then you find out that the killer's a teenage girl. Uh, and so now we're right back at the beginning. She's gone full Michael Myers. She's, she's stalking up to the house in a hoodie with a knife uh, and she attacks Jennifer in her bedroom. Jennifer attacks her back and, and stabs her. But when it's all said and done and um, Needy has stabbed her through the tit slash heart, uh, everything goes back to reality. And when the mom opens the bedroom, it's not a demon that she sees lying on her bed. It's her daughter and her best friend who just stabbed her so needy goes to prison predictably uh and we find out that apparently if you have been bitten by a demon and survived then you can acquire some of the demon's powers she uses her new demonic powers to rise to the top of the cell break out go find low shoulder and murder all of them the end yeah, she murders them during the credit scene, and there is no killing on screen. There's no gore on screen. It's just all oh, you felt done robbed. Like, yeah, it's all crime scene photos, and it's like it's like the end of Amazing Spider-Man one. But the but one they with did Andrew get you pictures of Spider-Man. Well, no, in in Amazing Spider-Man. He he fights the rhino, and then at the very end of the movie, the rhino's got on his super mecha suit, and he's like, ah, oh, I'm the rhino, and I'm Paul Giamatti, and I'm acting crazy. And then Spider-Man goes, all right, rhino, I'm going to fight you. The end. And you don't even see the fight. It's like, no, I came here to see the gore, to see the revenge. I came here to to see the good stuff. So, I mean, I didn't feel too, too robbed, but at the same time, uh I don't know. Just to, to cut from the before to after without having any glimpses of the horror in between, I thought was a little bit of a missed opportunity. But 
Yeah, I don't know. Overall, overall, this movie just, it was fine. So, gotta ask, who was your crush from the movie? It has to be Chip, young Neil from Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Young Neil? Young Neil, yeah, one of uh, Scott Pilgrim's friends who's not in the band. He's he's just like a groupie of the band. He, um, I, I, I love his, his energy, his everything. He, 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 he. I don't want to say like he saved the movie for me, but like anytime he was on screen, I just, I, I loved it. I I loved young Neil. I love Chip. I like that he used protection. I'm always down for movies that show people having safe sex. Yeah. And he checks in with her when she's like, obviously not into it. He checks in with her, not just with the joke line of like, am I too big? But like he says, like, am I hurting you? Are you okay? Do you want to stop? And it's, it's like, oh yeah, because she's clearly not enjoying it. And he responds to that. Um, yeah, he has a lot more um, sexual diplomacy than the people in Friends with Kids. Holy Those shit. Those rude yeah. motherfuckers. Yeah, I have to say that I also have a crush on Chip. He's totally the kind of guy I would have loved to date in high school. Yeah. You too? I would have loved to date him too, yeah. He's a little cutie. Cutie patootie. I mean, I love Megan Fox. I think Megan Fox is gorgeous, and I'm my mouth is agog. Um, she does do this thing, though, that I've noticed hot people do, both actors and actresses, where their mouth is always open. I have that. <laughs> I'm hot, though. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> I'm so hot. You know uh, yeah, what I, I have... mean? Where they always have their lips slightly parted? Yeah. Yeah, that's... I don't know. That's a normal <laughs> default mode for us hotties. Um, Jennifer... Um, uh, Megan Fox, though. Megan Fox is, like, Fast and the Furious hot, right? She's, like... I think she she's might like, be hotter. She's, like, girl at the racetrack hot. She's like Transformers washing off the motorcycle scene, showing off her butt hot. Which I heard that when they shot that scene in Transformers, I think it's two, that like they shot that scene without her knowing it. They were like, hey, we're just doing some tests or something. Rude. Like, go over there and be by the motorcycle. Yeah, hey, let's have fun with it. Do this, do this. And she didn't know they were shooting at the time. So Rude. Yeah, very like that's the kind of sexism in Hollywood that people are trying to get rid of. But like yeah, I know that she's conventionally hot, but she's not I guess my type hot. So it's I You're actually, more into a needy. I I'm not a a huge Amanda Safe Safried Seyfried. How do you I don't know how to say she's her having name. a I'm bit not, of a comeback. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of hers, but I thought she was really good in this movie. Like I thought she had some, some crazy stuff to do and she did it pretty well. Yeah. Fair enough. 
So I had a hard time this week with my remixes. What about you? Yeah, I had a hard time with both. Ultimately, I think both of them are very fun, but it took a lot of effort and energy to get there. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to know yours. I'm, I'm really curious. To know oh, mine took some turns. Mine, mine took some interesting turns. Uh, might as well. I, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll go first. Um, so I called mine personal demons. Yeah. Uh, and it's about Jennifer and Needy. They're your typical teenage best friends, but then Jennifer is sacrificed to Satan by an indie band trying to make it, and she becomes a demon. Uh, so in my version, Jennifer goes to Needy for help and tells her what happened immediately, um, rather than waiting several months. Um, but you know, you know, people, people tell their trauma in their own time. That's not, that's not a knock against anybody who would wait a long time to say about things like that. But for the movie's sake, she tells her right away. But Jennifer says, I don't want therapy. I want revenge. She then bites Needy's shoulder, bestowing demon powers onto her best friend. Again, I want to get to the demon powers way earlier because more hijinks. Um, (laughs) So then they get to planning their revenge on low shoulder. At first, Jennifer just wants to find out where they're touring next so she can murder them all. Um, but Needy has an even more diabolical plan. It's not enough to just kill the band because their music would still be immortalized and to be looked at as legends that died too young. If they really want to destroy the band, they need to destroy their legacy. They need to prevent them from ever achieving any kind of success. And they already have demonic forces on their side. So Demon forces versus demon forces need to happen. So they use their own demonic forces to create the perfect hit single for a power pop female duo, which you know Low Shoulder hates because they're a pretentious indie band. Um, And then they also bring on the goth kid Colin as their manager because he understands the occult. So even though he's not into their type of music, he's the, you know, he's the brain who's going to explain all of the occult stuff to us and, you know, make up all the rules as we go along. He's like Beaver sounds like the type, he seems like the type of actor who's good at playing roles where he just explains things. Yeah. The Jamie Kennedy in Scream 2. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So, yeah. He's the Jamie Kennedy, and then they decide to go with a gimmick like the Russian girl band tattoo, where they make Jennifer and Needy seem vaguely bisexual without coming out and saying it. Do you do you remember the band tattoo? Yeah. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and I, I didn't write this in there, but I'm going to ask you, what do you think Jennifer and Needy's band name should be? Oh boy. I think is there a play on words that we can do where they have high in their name to 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 combat the low shoulder? Can they be like the, the, the first thing I think of is highbrow, but I don't think that makes sense. Um that would be funny especially if they're not highbrow. Right. Um but yeah, something 
I'll have, I'll have, I'll think about it while while you keep think, going. Yeah, think but about it because I couldn't yeah, decide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now you might be asking, how is this a rom com? Well, we've got a two for one romance deal between Jennifer and Colin, as well as Needy and Chip side by side. So the conflict between Jennifer and Colin is that they're so different and they're just into totally different things. But this, the fact that Jennifer's a demon and he knows about the occult, this has now brought them together in a way that they never would have imagined. Um, And so I have been watching The Nanny recently, and I think of it as being kind of like a Nanny Fine, Mr. Sheffield dynamic, where they keep, you know, making jokes past each other. So like, uh, like Colin would be like, yeah, I love Depeche Mode. And Jennifer can say something like, I like Pies a la Mode, but I'll try Depeche Mode sometime. Um, <laughs> you know, like that <laughs> stupid stuff like that. Um, kind of like her when he said he wanted to go see Rocky Horror and she was like, oh, I don't yeah. like boxing movies. Um, but that's the the kind of jokes that you would get in their relationship is just them constantly... Um, talking past each other and then needy and chip their conflict is that needy's new demon powers are making her all bold and violent but she doesn't want chip to find out how monstrous she is so maybe she keeps trying to be really nice but then she has to hide all of this stuff from chip and then from chip's perspective it looks like well, is are Needy and Jennifer really together, or like, am I am I confused about this whole band ga- band gimmick? But eventually, Needy reveals that she's demonic, and Chip, because he's a good boyfriend, confirms that he loves her for her monstrous self. Uh, and then he also tells her he's got the perfect way for them to get back at Low Shoulder. So, cut to both Low Shoulder and our girls at an American Idol type show. Needy mm-hmm. asks Colin if he was able to get the girls on ahead of low shoulder, which he confirms that he was able to. So maybe they have a confrontation first with low shoulder where the band is really spooked to see that Jennifer's alive. And, you know, maybe yeah. they kind of intimidate them a little bit, um, but they don't do anything yet. So low shoulders like, what are, what are they going to do to get back at us? So here's what happens. Uh, Jennifer and Needy get before the judges and then they start to play and low shoulder realizes that they're playing through the trees and Jennifer and Needy have just stolen their single, their song, made it their own. And it's, they're the, they're the ones playing it for the first time. That's the screen debut of through the trees Low Shoulder can't just go back and say that's their song now because they they have no idea what Jennifer is going to do to them. Um, and then they don't know that that Needy has demonic powers either. Um, and then the judges, of course, love it. Low Shoulder is pissed. But because they have other songs, they still manage to make it to the next round along with Jennifer and Needy. And they just hate seeing Jennifer and Needy get famous with their song. Uh, it just burns them. So at the next round of the competition, um, oh yeah, the the lead singer, because he's evil, he decides he's going to get even. If he can't fight Jennifer and Needy, 
he's going to go to his occult book and he's going to summon something that can. Yeah. Uh, so next round of the competition, huge commotion breaks out. At first, it's just a smell. People are just reacting to this bad, terrible smell. And then it just gets worse and worse, so bad that people start to evacuate. Uh, but then literal shit starts coming out of cracks in the walls. The exits are blocked with shit. Um, what about the sprinklers? Um, I don't know. I don't think those should be shit too. That might be too much. Um, but also it's not a fire, so they wouldn't come on at that point. Um, but, but yeah, it's, this is like literal shit. Um, you could say it's like that, like the shit scene, the shit demon scene in dogma. But my inspiration for this is actually one of the most twisted, fucked up horror novels I've ever read. If anybody is interested in absolutely blowing their mind, uh, there is a book called, uh, Dread in the Beast, uh, and it's, uh, I can't recall the author's name, but yeah, it's called Dread in the Beast, and it's it's a truly, truly disturbing book that, in addition to the regular body fluids you find in horror, like blood, there's also poop. Um, a lot of poop. <laughs> it's yeah, also very rom- scary. In, in rom-coms, people get poo-pooed on. In rom-coms, people get pooped on. But also in really, really terrifying horror novels, people get drowned in rivers of shit as well. Um, it's, you know, it, you know, I find it interesting that not more horror movies put poo-poo in them. It's just not, <laughs> it's not really a thing. Um, that's the, it's the forbidden it's the forbidden topic. Um, but in my movie goes there. Shit hits the fan. Um, so Colin, because he's that character, screams at the lead singer of Low Soldier, what did you do? And then the lead singer says, I summoned Aralu. I thought it would just stink up the place. And then Colin says, you mean Aralu, the goddess of waste? Do you know what the fuck you've just done? Uh, And then out of the shit suddenly forms a big female poop monster. Uh, And Jennifer and Needy decide that they're going to have to save their boyfriends and the day by revealing their demonic powers on national television. They manage to fight the demon uh, and they're about to lose, but then they convince her to devour the bandmates of Low Shoulder because they are the kings of wasters among yeah. the remaining people there. They, she's, she's earned the right to devour them now that she's been summoned by them. Uh, and everything turns out well, because even though Needy and Jennifer have been exposed, it results in them getting everything they ever wanted. Boyfriends, their enemies dead, and worldwide adoration. Yeah, and a record deal. Simon Cowell can give him a record Ooh, deal. Oh, and a record deal. Yeah, Simon Cowell can get up at the very end, wipe the shit from his face, and say, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that scene goes. <laughs> so what do you think? I think it's good. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I like... 
I like the battle of the bands gimmick. I like that idea of like, we, you know, we took something from you and now you're going to take something from us. And it's not, it's not just killing them. Yeah. It's like, you gotta go, you gotta go one step above just killing them. You've got to ruin them professionally. Right. Yeah. 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 I like it. Yeah. Good, good, good. I'm happy to entertain you mm-hmm. after these movies fail to do so. Uh, all right, let's hear it. What do you got for me? Okay, so I dropped the demonic gimmick altogether. <laughs> because I'm going to be honest, when I thought about Jennifer's body, for some reason, I thought it might be like an alien movie. <laughs> and like, Jennifer's body gets taken over by an alien and then she eats people. Oh, you thought it was going to be like species or something. Yeah. Species or the faculty. Um, I I did not know right off the bat that it was a, a demonic movie. Maybe when the previews first came out in 2009, it was more obvious, but in my memory, this was an alien movie. So I used the demonic gimmick for friends with kids remake. So in this version, I'm going to go more of like, I'm thinking more of like a 1950s screwball comedy, right? I'm listening. (laughs) And so I have Jennifer and Anita, our good friends. And just for the sake of putting Megan Fox in the starring role, I'm going to say Jennifer and Chip are dating. Um, They're so wrong for each other. But it's not the same Jennifer and Chip. It's it's different Jennifer and Chip. Think about like Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn or something. But it, except for it's Megan Fox. Okay. Megan, Megan Fox and, and Cary Grant. I don't know. It, it's not in high school. I, I got rid of high school. Essentially, what happens is Chip is hanging out with the guys. And Chip's not your typical guy guy, right? So... Chip says some bad stuff about Jennifer. We're like, you know, when guys get together and they start talking like that locker room talk, some guys are very vulgar and they're like, yeah, I, you know, kiss and tell. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go smash that pussy. And you're like, all right. And then some guys are not like that. Like me, I'm not like that. But when you're around a group of guys. Really? I've heard you say those exact words before. All the time. I'm not. Like, <laughs> I'm not like that to everyone else. Um, but yeah, so so Chip says some stuff that he probably shouldn't say. That's it's not bad. He still clearly loves Jennifer, but it's kind of demeaning. It's kind of insulting. He's he's taken up in the moment. He says some bad things. So essentially, what we're doing is we're making Chip likable, but we got to put him through the ringer for this thing that he's done. Right. Instead of standing up for his girlfriend and saying, I love her or whatever, he 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 succumbs to the locker room talk. Like when Mr. Smith says he would have never married Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Ooh boy. Never make that mistake again. Ooh. Uh so Chip has to go leave the country, right? He's gonna spend the summer in whatever city, either someplace in France or Italy, somewhere where the women are a little more sexually bombastic i don't know um 
And so he's going to the other country with Jennifer. It's going to be her family reunion, and they're going to like an old family village. But Anita, while they're on the plane flying overseas, Anita gets out her little spell book of spells, and she puts a curse on Chip. And so now when Chip gets to the family village, or the small tiny village, all, and I mean all, of the women look just like Jennifer. So now... So like Shallow Hal, but everybody's Megan Fox? Yeah. So Shallow Hal meets being John Malkovich. Yes. So now we have a movie where Chip is surrounded by Megan Foxes, and all of the Megan Foxes dress different and sort of act different, but he's in this scenario where he doesn't know who he's dealing with at any given time because it could be his girlfriend or it could be his girlfriend's mom, or it could be some stranger or, you know, it could be anybody. So just going to run through the hijinks. So are you going to dress Megan Fox up like different people, like, like a farmer and a homeless person and a doctor, like like a, like a teacher or secretary and like a grandma with like the, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the the different scenarios that we have are like, maybe he goes to that. Maybe there's like a teacher at high school that that Jennifer's kind of sets him up with because she's like, hey, this teacher really wants to know more about American lifestyle. So why don't you go hang out with her? And then she's like, the teacher is not hitting on him. But because it's Megan Fox who is Chip's girlfriend, it it has it's already sexually loaded with tension. Oh, I um, bet Megan Fox deals with people thinking she's hitting on them when she's just being nice all the time. Yes. So we get that kind of thing where the teacher's like, ooh, I want to know more about this. We can have like, I want to know more about biology or, you know, just something silly, something stupid or math. Yeah, that's exactly like, how she talks. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> tell me about biology, baby. Um, and then maybe like there's a scene with the grandma where he's talking to the grandma and he has a real heart to heart with who he thinks is Jennifer, but it's actually the grandma. And then the real Jennifer comes in and then it turns out like the grandma doesn't speak any English. So it's like, it's a little goofy. It's a little silly. It's a little screwball. It's a little rom-com. And then maybe there's a family emergency. And so Chip has to watch over the the uh jennifer's niece and so we have like a very young child who now looks like megan fox so there's a lot of awkwardness where he's like whoa like maybe the kid's like it's bath time and he's like no and he's like gotta like give her a bath blindfolded or something and you know like we don't we don't sexualize it because it's a little kid weird (laughs) but like jesus christ uh one of the other scenarios is the employer maybe like maybe because they're gonna spend a summer there chip picks up like a little summer job or like a part-time gig where like two days out of the week he works at the grocery store restocking stuff but the employer is gonna be like super porn parody 
where it's like you know the parody of like the oh stepbrother i'm stuck oh and it's like that's a very common scenario i guess but in reality the boss is a weird old eastern european man lady Oh, lady. Only the ladies look like Megan Fox. Oh, wait. So, yeah. I thought that there were men who looked like Megan Fox, too, because I thought that would be funny. It could be. We could we could write that in. That's a second draft uh, uh, change. Um, but then the last hijinks is Anita actually flies over to visit for a week. And then there's this tension because Anita and by now, by the end of the summer, Chip has Ch- Chip has is now better at navigating through the maze of who is who. He can figure right? out which Megan is which. Right, just by talking to them or being in the room with them or how they're dressed or how they act. But now that Anita is coming over, Anita and and Jennifer are such BFFs that they act so much alike that now there's going to be even more hijinks of like, is he going to make an intimate move with Anita? Which would be bad because Anita already thinks he's a pervert, right? Because of the way he was talking about her. Um, but, you know, he he sort of navigates that. There's some tension there. We can draw out that final moment where, like, you know, the rom-com moment where the guy and the girl have to split up. And then they come back together. Um, and then, so maybe there's a tradition at the end of the summer where they have this, like, harvest moon dance. And all of the men have to add like the men have to ask the women to dance right so we're at this barn house or whatever and all of the men are on one side and all the women are on the other side and because chip is the guest of honor and he's he's joining them oh he has to find the right megan he has to find the right megan and they're all dressed the same because it's a dance and they're it's the harvest moon dance so all the women are pretty much dressed the same so he doesn't know. So of course he's got to like use his Jedi spider senses mind trick. And like, um, you know, the, uh, the thing of, um, we were just talking about this, but rounders, how John Malkovich has that. Oreo yeah. He listens tell. to the Oreo. Yeah. He, he breaks the Oreo and he's like, Oh, okay, blah, blah, blah. Like it's such a stupid moment. Cause it's like, of course this, of course this guy who has Oreos when he plays poker, of course the Oreo is his tell. We're, we're going to do something cute like that. We're like, of course, the real Jennifer has this really cute tell. Maybe she, like, chews on her hair or something, right? Like, I thought that was gross in Jennifer's body when she's chewing on her hair. That was pretty um, gross. Um, but, yeah, she does something cute. And then... What if she's the only one who's not smiling at him because she's mad be. at him? Could be. But she's got like a. We'd have to. I would be mad at my boyfriend if he kept mistaking other people for me. Right, and so he walks over to the right one. He picks her. They have a nice, like they have a nice, cute slow dance moment. And and then all the other men approach all the other women, and they all start having a nice little slow dance, and magically, sprinkle dust. All of the women turn back to their normal selves. Oh, um, the spell is then, broken. And then, I don't know why more rom-coms don't do this. Then we have an end credits dance party scene where they do like a Macarena <sighs> dance or we something. We definitely need more dancing. I feel right? like... Job We Met did it, but that's more There's of a something about Mary thing. also had a dance party at the end. Yeah, so I I think that's some that's something that rom-coms really miss out on i think i agree more dance party endings i more dance party endings. i watched mama mia recently also ends with a dance party 
Okay. A yeah, that plus. makes sense, right? ABBA. ABBA's a very dancey, dancey band. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I I think that that is a good idea. If you are a rom-com and you have the budget to end your movie on a dance party, do it. Yes, please. So that's, yeah, that's the movie. I didn't really have a name for it because my name that I was thinking for it was Body Double. But then I was like, well, there's more than two of them. <laughs> there's a whole village of them. So I didn't really think of a good name. Being Jennifer's body. Yeah. Uh, Seeing Jennifer's body. Oh, seeing Jennifer's body (laughs) everywhere. Right. But yeah, I mean, it is, I feel like that is a a screwball-y kind of movie that could work, but it probably would work better as a trailer than an actual movie. Because you can just fit in two minutes worth of oops, I'm talking to the wrong person jokes rather than stretch out a 90-minute movie. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of our remixes would make better trailers than movies. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that's the nature of the game, right? That's uh, right? All right. Well, you guys can find us at the Necromancer Podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now that we have told you where to reach us and also reminded you that it's nice of you to like us, subscribe to us, rate us wherever you listen to podcasts, now we can tell you about some other things we like. Let's get into Love Bites. Love Bites. What would you like to recommend this week? Uh, Well, Sonia and I are big on sitcoms. If you're a fan of the show and have been listening, uh, I recommend sitcoms all the time because we just blast through sitcoms. Um, And so the latest sitcom that we've started watching is It's Gary Shandling Show. Have you ever seen It's Gary Shandling Show? (laughs) Is that really what it's called? It's Gary Shandling Show? It's called It's Gary Shandling Show, and it stars Gary Shandling. Um, we, me and Sonia have both seen it before, but we've never seen it together as a couple. Uh, it's, it is one of the best sitcoms I've ever seen. It is a mixture of stand-up comedy, situational comedy, and sketch comedy. And it is, it is a fourth wall breaking meta show where like they address the audience. They show the audience at one point. Gary Shandling has to drive from his house to another character's house. So he gets in a little golf cart and just drives from one set to the other. Like they reference the script all the time. There's one character, Leonard, who's the landlord and he just shows up just because he wants to be on the show. And he's like, so what's this week's show about? And Gary Shandling is like, Oh, Leonard. Oh boy. And uh, it's got Tom Petty joins the show. after. Oh after the first few seasons and Tom Petty just hangs out like his whole he plays Tom, Petty? Tom Petty. Yeah. He plays Tom Petty and just hangs out on the show. So if you like, and it, it was, um, it was just before Seinfeld. So it, it kind of infamously NBC oh. turned down Gary Shandling show and it was picked up by Showtime slash ABC, but NBC didn't pick up its Gary Shandling show. And the way they pitched it to them was like, this is the day, this is a a day in the life of a stand-up comedian 
So once It's Scary Shandling Show came out, which I don't know how well it was received or how well the ratings were. It was on Showtime at the time, so it could have been like a huge mega hit. But um, yeah, then NBC picked up Seinfeld like right after this show. Um, So yeah, it's like a proto Seinfeld, but it's not a sitcom because there's so much stand-up involved. It's it's Gary Shandling Show. The theme to It's Gary Shandling Show is, this is the theme to Gary Show. The theme to Gary Show. Gary called me up and asked if I would write his theme song. Like, the whole show is so meta, so fourth wall breaking. It's so smart. It's so great. Sounds Um, like community. Yeah, but it's like community has that A cam, B cam style of sitcom, that Arrested Development 30 Rock style. This is a four camera style sitcom. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's it's shooting just like your traditional 80s sitcoms. Um, But it's just so smart, so wacky, so funny. It's a great show. It's Gary Shandling show. Yeah. If you've ever I think Larry Sanders, right, the Larry Sanders show is a little bit more popular and well known. Um, That's a great show, too. But it's Gary Shandling show came first. And it's so good. I love it. It's got everything that I could ever want in a sitcom, including Tom Petty. So, yeah. How about you? What's your love bite for the week? So, you know me, I like to stick with our theme. So I was thinking of other things I've seen Megan Fox in that I've liked. I think that Megan Fox needs to be paired up with more female directors and female writers because she did a a season-long stint on this show that I really enjoy called New Girl. And if you've seen New Girl, you may be saying, but wait, I thought Zoe Deschanel is the new girl. Well, Zoe Deschanel got pregnant. And while she was on maternity leave, they brought in Megan Fox. And Megan Fox was the new, new girl uh, for a while before Zoe Deschanel came back. And of course, it was always the plan that Zoe Deschanel would come back to the show But I enjoyed seeing the episodes with Megan Fox. I felt like that she was cool on the show. I think that, like you mentioned earlier, she knows how to make fun of herself. She's in on the joke. Uh, And I really enjoyed watching her on New Girl. So I would recommend New Girl to any rom-com or Megan Fox fans. All right, New Girl. Maybe Sonia and I will have to tackle New Girl at some point. Because I, I hear great things about it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, no, it's a fun show. All right, well, that is all for today. Uh, I <laughs> smell y'all later.
Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.